Have you ever noticed that the older our house gets, the more problems it has? A leaky roof, drafty windows, creaky floors. Our fix-it list just grows and grows. And you know, the same is true for our bodies, isn't it? The older we get, the more things seem to just break down. Well, today on Through the Bible, Dr. J. Vernon McGee has good news for us. There will be a day when we'll all stand before the Lord with glorified bodies. I can hardly wait. I'm Steve Schwetz. Welcome aboard the Bible bus as we continue our journey through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So as you find your seat and get comfortable, here are a few encouraging letters from our fellow passengers. First, we've got an email from a World Prayer Team member named Bonnie. I love the letters that you read from listeners. The one you read from the 94-year-old man in Bavaria really tugged at my heartstrings. How great it would be to sit down and talk with this man, if only we were all this close in our relationship to our Lord. As a World Prayer Team member, it is truly a privilege to pray for those who don't know our Savior, but it's also an inspiration for me to hear from someone like this elderly man of God. What a wonderful role model. I pray for all of you daily as I ride the Bible bus. God bless your continuing and untiring efforts to take the whole word to the whole world. Well, thanks for your prayers, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to have you join us today and every day. Well, if you'd like to join Bonnie and me and thousands of other listeners as we pray for God's entire word to reach his entire world, then sign up today at ttb.org forward slash pray. Now, as a member of our world prayer team, you're going to receive a daily email with listener stories like the one that Bonnie mentioned, and then prompts on how you can help us pray for specific countries and languages. Again, we'd love to have you partner with us in prayer. So join us at ttb.org forward slash pray. Our next email comes from a listener named Linda in California. I haven't yet found a church home, and your radio program is like the voice of my family calling me each day. I recently studied Ruth with you, and it has been incredible. I could write for weeks about how much I've learned. I listen to it over and over to soak up all the truth. Thank you for being a voice of steadfast love in my ear. I've enclosed a bit of money to keep the old Bible bus chugging along. Well, thanks for your support, Linda. We're so grateful for both your investment that helps keep the Bible bus traveling through the community and around the world, and for your prayers. So if you'd like to provide maybe a tank of gas or a new set of tires for the Bible bus, then visit ttb.org forward slash give or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now, our final letter comes to us from a listener named Donna in Texas who also enjoyed our study in Ruth. I heard Dr. McGee many years ago on the radio, but now I have your app and join you every day. I sit out in my yard early in the morning and listen. It's so refreshing to start the day in God's Word. My current study is Acts, and I'm loving every minute, but there was something special about learning about our kinsman redeemer in Ruth. The Old Testament has come alive as we together walk through the pages of the Bible. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking the time to write, Donna. In addition to our study of Second Corinthians, if you would like to study Ruth. Just download our app today at ttb.org and dive straight in. And we'd love to hear from you as well. What are you learning as we study God's Word together? You can email your note to BibleBus at ttb.org or leave a message on our Facebook page. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious Word. Would you give us a deeper love for it and for you as we devote this time to study? May we see your hand on every page. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study of 2 Corinthians 5 on Through the Bible. Now, friends, as we come to this fifth chapter, we're still in this first section of 2 Corinthians in the comfort of God. Now we have here God's comfort in the ministry of martyrdom for Christ. 
We've seen God's comfort in the glorious ministry of Christ in chapter 3. And what a wonderful place it is that today it's an unveiled Christ that we declare. And then we have God's comfort in the ministry of suffering for Christ, chapter 4. Now we have God's comfort in the ministry of martyrdom for Christ. And we want to look at that. Now I want to read verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, I want you to notice what Paul is saying here. He's not saying we hope that we have an earthly house or we expect to have an earthly house or even we believe that we have an earthly house. Do you notice The way that he put it here, he says, we know that we have. And believe me, friends, that is a pretty big no. That is a no. That means that he knows by experience. He knows because of the fact the Spirit of God has made it real to him. Now he says, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle. And the word tabernacle is skene. It actually means tent. That was the word, by the way, used for the tabernacle in the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament tabernacle, mosaic tabernacle, is called a skene, a tabernacle. It's a flimsy sort of thing. Now, what he's saying here is something that is quite wonderful. This verse has always been a big question mark to me. I have never been too dogmatic about the interpretation of it, and I may not be today, but I'm now come to the conviction that what he's talking about here is not a temporary body. I've always suggested that as a possibility, that If this earthly house of this tabernacle and this tent that we live in, and that means this body of ours, that if this dissolves, we have a building of God, a house not made with hand. And then I thought for many years that it could be that he'd have sort of a temporary. You know, you take your car into the garage to be worked on, and they let you have a loaner. You drive that around. Well, the Lord, until he gives us our new bodies, well, he's going to give us a temporary one. I never liked that, but that seemed to be what he was saying. But I want you to notice that that's not true. What Paul is talking about here is one that is eternal in the heavens. This is not temporary. He's talking about that new body that we're going to get. Now, Let's look at this for just a moment because, very frankly, friends, this is a very important section of the Word of God. The thing that is all important and something that we need to have clearly fixed in our minds and in our hearts, that there is an outward man and an inward man. Paul talked about that in this last chapter, by the way, that our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And a great many people misunderstand that. I had a letter from a 
man. He says the Bible is filled with contradictions, and he said, I can prove it because he says, I get so tired hearing you say that so-and-so has gone to be with the Lord, and then you talk about the body is going to be raised or the person is going to be raised from the dead down here. And he says, now that's a contradiction. Well, you see, this man has missed the entire point that it's the body that's put in the grave, but the individual, the real person, has gone to be with Christ if that individual is a believer. You see, the things that are seen, they're temporal. You say, you've seen me, or maybe you haven't. Now, many listeners just make a trip when I'm speaking in certain sections. In fact, a family told me up in Ohio, well, they said, you know, we made a trip here, and they drove 50 miles to just see how you look. Do you want to know something? They didn't see me. <laughs> they saw the house I live in, this old tent I live in. I want to be very frank with you. This tent I live in is becoming a very weak tent. It's flapping around. It's becoming very weak. The picture that I suggested to you was back in Ecclesiastes, and I hope that Sometimes you might look at that, and we'll be coming to it one of these days, and the picture that's given our old age is really something. It says, the keepers of the house shall tremble. This old house of mine. Who are the keepers? Well, these knees of mine, they're beginning to tremble. And the strong men shall bow themselves. The strong men. Well, who are those? Oh, these are the shoulders. They're beginning. My wife says to me every now and then, she says, oh, stand up straight. Well, I don't stand up straight. And then it goes on to say, the grinders shall cease. <laughs> Your teeth are going to fall out, friends, because they're few. And they that look out of the windows be darkened. And I'm now wearing trifocals. I remember when I first put on glasses. No focal about it at all, just glasses. But now it's trifocal. May I say to you, the sound of the grinding is low. And for some men and women, you know, the voice becomes very low, becomes very squeaky. That's old age. That's the thing that's taking place in all of us. Now, this is the outward man, you see. But there is an inward man. And that inward man is spiritual. And it's difficult for us to understand that. Now, God is a person, but God is not physical or material. God's a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, the Lord Jesus said. And the psalmist says, he maketh his angels spirit. Psalm 104, 4. And I hear people say today, I don't like getting old. <laughs> oh, my friend, I'm enjoying it. In fact, the matter is, I'm enjoying retiring from a church because I'm doing now what I want to do. And it's wonderful to do that. My doctor told me, he says, I want you to do what you want to do. And when my wife tells me to do something, I say, look, my doctor tells me to do what I want to do. Now, I don't want to do what you want me to do. But I can't get her to buy that package all the time. Now, may I say to you, it's wonderful. Every passing year now is bringing me closer, you know, to him. And it's quite wonderful. And then I'm going to see him someday. I'm going to see the face of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to see him, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want to tell you, friends, I rejoice. And I'll be very frank with you. 
I don't have as much conflict today with the world of flesh and the devil as I used to have. I think they've given up on me. And may I say to you, it's wonderful. This old house is getting old. (laughs) As someone asked President Adams years ago, says, how do you feel? Oh, he says, I feel fine. But this old house that I live in, it's really getting feeble. The shingles coming out on top. And the foundation seems to be coming out from underneath. But my friend, we have a house eternal in the heavens. We got one up yonder. That body that he's going to give us someday. This old body sown a natural body. It's going to be raised a spiritual body. Now he says something here that's quite wonderful also. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Well, I'm groaning in this body. You just can't help but groan. And he goes on to say, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. I built several years ago a study up over my garage, which is right next to the house. I couldn't study at the church. It just was an office. And so I transferred my study there. And I sleep up there. And sometimes when I start down, there's steps there. It's about a little over half a floor. And when I come down, I noticed just a few short years ago that it wasn't easy to come down of a morning when you first get up. And I'd groan. Every step I'd take, I'd groan. And my wife told me, says, you ought not do that. I said, well, it's scriptural to groan because Paul says we groan in this house. And I want to groan in this when I'm in because he says that it's scriptural to groan. And my friend, may I say to you, we can do a lot of groaning in these houses of ours. And it will be scriptural, by the way. But he says something here in verse 3 that's quite unusual. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Now, that's an interesting thing. One of these days, he's going to call his own out of the world. And those that are his own are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we're going to stand before him. How? Well, clothed in his righteousness. But everybody that's going to be raised won't be clothed with his righteousness because he was delivered for our fences and he was raised for our justification, that is, our righteousness. And they haven't accepted it. They've rejected him. And therefore, we are told that there is a resurrection both of the just and of the unjust. That's what Paul mentions in Acts 25, 15. And then the Lord Jesus himself said in John 5, 29, "...they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation." Now, he speaks here of a resurrection when you're going to be clothed. Paul says, I want to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And my friend, have you ever wondered how you're going to stand in his presence someday? Are you clothed in the righteousness of Christ, accepted in the beloved? Oh, how wonderful it is. That is our state, you see. And that is the way we'll have to appear before him. Now, will you notice here that there is a resurrection, though, of the great white throne. 
And that is the loss that are brought there. They are not clothed with his righteousness. They're going to be judged according to their works. That's the way they wanted it. Actually, the Bible doesn't mention just one judgment day. There are really about eight great judgments that are mentioned in Scripture. There's the cross. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Why? Because he bore it on the cross, but is passed from death to life. Then there is self-judgment. We're told in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-one, if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. And then there's chastisement. The Lord takes us to the woodshed. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son he receives. Hebrews 12, 6. And then the believer's works are going to be judged. We're going to see that in this chapter. And then the nation Israel's to be judged. Gentile nations are to be judged. Fallen angels are to be judged. And then there's the great white throne where the lost are brought. And they appear naked there. That is, they're not clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Now, Paul goes on to say, verse 4, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan. If you feel like groaning, you groan, my friend. It's all right. That's scriptural. Being burdened. Yes, we are. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, we're just groaning in these bodies. I'm not groaning because of the fact I'm not clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I am. I've accepted him as my Savior, and he's my only hope that I have. Now he says, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Now you see, he's let me know there's more to follow. The best is yet to come. But he's given us the Holy Spirit today. So that down here in these weak bodies, with all of our feebleness, all of our frailty, he's given us the Holy Spirit. That's just an earnest. Earnest money is the down payment you put. He's purchased us. He's made a down payment. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer today. And one of these days, we're going to move out of this old house of mine, and then we're going to meet the Lord in the air, my friend. How wonderful this opens up, this vista to us. Now he goes on to say something else here. Verse 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Now, if we're home in the body, well, that is, I'm at home in my body. How about you? I mean, I feel perfectly at home. I like this body of mine. As a little fella, I had to learn to walk. I've got a scar. On the side of my temple, I fell against a bed, and I was learning to walk, my mother said. Well, I've got used to this body of mine. I'm at home in this body. But I want to tell you, when I'm at home in this body, I'm absent from the Lord. That's the thing that he's saying now, that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. But will you notice, he says, but we walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody says, well... How do you know that? Well, we're walking by faith. Well, I take his word for it. I'd rather take his word than anyone else. Faith is taking God at his word. We're living in the body and we're absent for the Lord. And he goes on to say, I'm confident, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord is the better translation. Now, my friend, the important thing is this, that 
When you die, the soul doesn't go to sleep. Soul never even dies. You go to be with Christ. And the body is put to sleep. But somebody says, do you have scripture for that? Oh, yes. Uh, sleep in Jesus. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, that's not sleep unconsciousness, you see. The body that sleeps, and it's the body that's going to be raised. Resurrection doesn't refer to the soul or spirit. First, to the body. The word itself means anastasis, means to stand up. And so we walk by faith today. That's the way you'll have to walk. And so Paul says, we're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. <laughs> May I say that Paul could say, we're looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it, but I want to be very careful. Paul says, verse 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. How accepted? Well, he's going to talk about it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is the Bema. When I was in Corinth, several pictures were made of me by the tour group. I've been sent several pictures by some that took them there, standing on that Bema. That was the place where the judges of the city met. They judged the citizens that had done certain things. It wasn't a question of life or death there. Now, this is not the great white throne, the judgment seat of Christ. It's for believers. It's to see whether they're going to receive a reward or not. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who's he talking to? Believers. That we may receive the things done in the body. That is, while you're down here, my friend, you're going to be judged by the way you've lived the Christian life, how you've lived in these bodies down here. When we go into his presence, we're through with this old body. But my friend, how did you use it? How did you live down here? And therefore, Paul made it very clear that he wanted to stay down here. And because of that, Paul could say, as he said to the Philippians, you remember, he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he says, to go and be with Christ is far better but he said, I'd like to stay down here. I'd like to, for your sake, I'd like to preach the gospel of Christ a little longer. And I had a very good friend here in Southern California when I got cancer, wrote me, said, now others are praying that you be spared. I'm praying the Lord will take you because I know you're ready. I said, wait a minute. You let the Lord decide that. It's between me and the Lord. You stay out of this because I'm like that boy years ago in my Southland. The preacher... One night says, how many want to go to heaven? Everybody put up their hands but that boy. Preacher looked down and said to him, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, sure, I want to go to heaven. But I thought you was getting up a load for the night. And friends, I'm like that boy. I didn't want to go right away when I had cancer. Paul didn't want to go. He said, I want to stay. I want to stay in this body and do as much as I possibly can. Friends, Paul says, I believe I'd rather live a little longer and preach Christ to people. And he says, I want Christ to be magnified in my body. Whether present or absent, I want Christ to be magnified, that I might be accepted of him, that I might receive a reward. And believers ought to live, by the way, in the light of that. Now, our time is up today. 
But we have seen now the first motive of preaching the gospel. What is the motivation today of believers should be? They try today to have pep meetings to pep them up. Well, here's one of them. You're going to have to answer to the Lord for your life, the Lord Jesus. You're going to report to him. Now your salvation's not in question, but your reward sure is. Then there are two other motivations that Paul mentions here. We'll be looking at that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. If you're at the point in your life when your body is groaning, have hope. Until then, let's follow Paul's example and look for ways that we can magnify Jesus. You can listen to this message again for free at ttb.org or purchase Dr. McGee's entire five-year study on our Bible bus flash drive by visiting ttb.org or calling 1-800-65-BIBLE. Again, that's 1-800-65-BIBLE. And when you're in touch, be sure to tell us how you prefer to listen to Through the Bible. You know, there's a bunch of different options and your feedback is really helpful to us. What does it mean to be a servant of God? We'll discover that next time as we continue to journey through the Bible. Jesus made it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's Word go today?